0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app.
1: Your last day of vacation and you found
0: time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel,
1: which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you bore the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
0: Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Al Franken podcast. We got a great one today for a change. Uh, we're talking to uh, Jason Kander. Uh, Jason, as you may remember, in 2016, uh, ran for the U.S. Senate in Missouri and almost won in a state that uh, Trump uh, won by how many, uh, Jason? He won it by 19.
2: 19. For context, he won Mississippi by 18. <laughs> <laughs> very good context. And <laughs> I think so, too. That's a
0: great thing. And you uh, lost by, what, three? 2.8, but, you know, who's counting? So, in other words, you beat Hillary by 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and I came in and did stuff for you. You were very helpful. You would have won if Comey hadn't done that thing. That's what, that's what I think. You'd I'm trying to, try not to think it about it. Oh no, I want you to think about it constantly. Because that would be uh wouldn't that be a PTSD symptom? No. Oh, dwelling what? on something that you have no control over that happened to uh, you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, or and
2: <laughs> trying to like trying to uh, exercise control over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And uh Brian Meyer is here. Brian is the founder of something we're going to be talking about today, the Veterans Community Project. And Brian, just to give a little background to you, you're a Marine, or, or were in the Marines, but once a Marine, always a Marine, right? That is correct. I was in the Marine Corps.
3: Okay, so you're in the Marine Corps, and where was that, That Iraq? Yeah, two deployments to Iraq. So mm-hmm. I was in from 01 to 06 and deployed in 03 and 04. Okay, okay, and 03 and 04. So that's that's uh
0: that's then during the thing. And 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 Jason, you were uh in Afghanistan as an intelligence officer, right? mm mm-hmm, Mhm, just one time. Just uh one deployment. It was how long was it? It was like 9 months or something? Oh, shorter than that. I was there for 4 months. 4 months. And you would think that wouldn't be long enough uh to get traumatized.
2: I thought that for a long time. Yeah. That's
0: what I thought about. That's it what you too. thought <laughs> when you were fooling yourself, right?
2: Yeah, I thought that for almost twelve years. I was like, <laughs> I did not. Right, I was like, I did not earn this. So therefore, it doesn't exist, and it's just that's right. Wrong, so
0: right. there is yeah. a little guilt in there. Why do I have PTSD when I was only there for four friggin' months? Yeah, I don't deserve it, right?
2: Right. It felt like uh, stolen valor, which is like the worst Ooh, term. Ooh, stolen the valor. Yeah,
0: I, I'm thinking of autobiography names. <laughs> Okay, we're going to talk about the Veterans Community Project, which is, you know, I know organizations like the IAVA, Iraq, and Afghanistan Veterans America, a great organization. Mainly what they do is advocacy. What you guys do is, um, is provide services, yeah. <laughs> which is very different. It's a very different thing. So it's like, you know, housing, uh, transitional housing, uh, vouchers for permanent housing, I guess medical stuff. Is it? I'm in the right area?
3: You're right there. So really the main thing is the housing aspect, right? It's what most people know as spies. We're the guys who build tiny homes for homeless vets. But what you're alluding to is there's a whole lot more that goes into that. We kind of take the approach of a vet comes in, and they have an issue, we're gonna figure out how to fix that issue, whether it's a flat tire or access to VA services.
2: Al, oh, I think what's at the heart of it that is so exciting to me is that the word community is really an operative term in Veterans Community Project because most of the time, you know, a lot of people are interested in in helping vets, but what they get an opportunity to do is like stand up at a ball game and applaud and that kind of thing. But this is like I we really feel it. that I've done something when I do that. Yeah, that's and and don't get me wrong, you have and we thank you for your service, um, but also there's other stuff. Uh, um, <laughs> Brian and I have joked around about making a T-shirt, for instance, that says like "You're welcome for my service" or like mm-hmm. be, "Be more than thankful" because people want to do they want to do more for vets, and the truth is is that like the VA doesn't have like boatloads of volunteer opportunities for people to come and really you know like if you're a veterinarian. They're not like, come in and, and help veterans with their dogs. But we have everything from veterinarians to dentists to everything else because everybody has a specialty and something they can do for vets. And so that's what we provide the community an opportunity to do.
0: So this is a hands-on. This is something actually, you know, one-on-one with veterans, helping veterans do stuff. IVA, great organization. Paul Rykoff, um, a great guy. But what you're doing is... You're, you're there on the ground, and you're there one-to-one. And, you know, uh, you're talking about thank you for your service. Uh, Jason, I think I've, I've told you this. When I used to do the USO tours, and then I would go to uh, Walter Reed to um, visit wounded guys who were at Walter Reed. And um, I, I think it was the first time I went there. I would take a Polaroid with these guys, they want a picture, and um if they knew who I was, and I would sign it saying, Thank you for your service. And like the third guy said to me, You know what? Thank you for your service. We we really actually kinda don't like that because it's just like some people say it like, Thank you for your service. <laughs> I mean, it, it does it feels like it doesn't mean much. And uh, it's just like a cliche, and I went, oh, God, yeah, I went, of course. So then I would take pictures with these guys, and I'd sign it, and I'd write, uh, thank you for being grievously wounded.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they enjoyed that. They liked I, I'm that. sure. Yeah. <laughs> they got that. And uh, actually, when I went to Walter Reed the first time, I was so nervous because I was like, how am I going to – cheer some guy up who's got his leg blown off or whatever. I I was really nervous. I felt uh, that I shouldn't be there. I wasn't entitled to be there or something. So I go there. The first guy I meet is a guy's had his leg amputated, uh, his right leg amputated, and he's on crutches and leaning against the wall. And I say, uh, what happened to you? And he said, you know, I came in here for a vasectomy, (laughs) and what I learned was they cheered me up. Yeah, man. Gallows humor. It's like... Oh, God. Gallows humor is uh, so misunderstood these days. These days, you got to be careful with any humor.
2: Mm. Because
0: you go like, thank you
2: for being grievously injured.
0: Yeah, that would... you know, you know, he was grievously injured.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of the things that got me hanging around VCP, Veterans Community Project, is just it feeling like uh, it did hanging around in the military again. Just like the way we are constantly all busting on each other about stuff that nobody else would ever be willing to make fun of. It's a staple of the military. Like, when life is hard, you make fun of it, because what else are you going to do
3: about it? Right. A morbid sense of humor is absolutely necessary in order to get through uh, life. military service. Oh, oh, military service. I'm sorry, sorry. No, no, you're, you're fine. Yeah. That's true, too. But especially, uh, you know, in the military, some of the most horrible things people could say to each other, they say it with a smile, and it works out great.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, well that's a shared uh shared experience which uh
0: well, only only you guys really have. I mean, really really know about. Speaking of I mean, okay, my first bill uh in in the Senate and it passed right away was the dog bill. And it was basically what I saw when I met veterans with uh with, with service dogs and th- these are generally guys or women who had PTSD and were given a trained dog, that uh, the dog did tremendous good for, it, it, you know, I, I, I met a guy, uh, Luis Montalvan, He had an IAV event back in uh, 2009, and he said, I couldn't be at the event if it weren't for Tuesday. That was the name of this dog. And I said, what does Tuesday do for you? And he had been very isolated before he got Tuesday, and he got this invitation to go to this place and train with a dog, and he didn't, and he had been uh, isolating. He had been agoraphobic. He had been drinking to medicate his uh, his trauma, his PTSD, and he wouldn't go out. He got Tuesday. I said, what is Tuesday doing? He said, well, he can anticipate my having a panic attack and prevent it. He pays attention to me. If I start breathing, like, too fast, he, he starts nuzzling me. And he's telling me, calm down. And I will, and I won't have the panic attack. And he also, if I have a debilitating nightmare, he'll jump on the bed and wake me up. So I don't have to go through that. And he'll even yank my sleeve and take me over to my medicine and also he broke my isolation i was agoraphobic and you have to take a dog out twice a day and you know people on the street they don't really want to talk to a scruffy looking wounded vet he was he had been wounded and had terrible limp and but they they do want to talk to a scruffy looking wounded vet with a dog and it uh, really changed his life he went to school and so I was a champion of a service dogs. So I put a bill together that would match 200, just 200 service dogs with 200 vets and do a three-year study to see what the effect was. And I was pitching this on the floor, and a senator, I'll just say he was John Kyle from Arizona, and he says to me, are there enough vets with PTSD to justify 200
2: dogs <laughs> uh, Yeah just like at work every day at VCP there's like you could you could bring 200 dogs yeah. I mean like Al, you've you know my story about my dog which I've never told publicly which is pretty funny which is that um right when I made my announcement that uh, I I had post traumatic stress and was going to go get treatment my wife and I were like, let's go get a dog. And what we should have got was exactly the dog you described, like Tuesday, you know, wake you up from your nightmares, that kind of thing. But we hadn't received any treatment yet and didn't really know what was wrong with us. So we were still, um, we, we were hypervigilant. We were, we were feeling like we were in danger all the time. So we got a protection dog. And so, basically, we got a dog with post-traumatic stress. <laughs> <It's->
0: <laughs> and you calm him down. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you rub up against him when he's starting to breathe heavy. <laughs> yeah. And I I'm think there. that's good. But it helps you feel like <laughs> get there's some purpose.
2: Yeah, I'm a service animal is what it turns out. Exactly, a service mammal. Yeah, yes, yes. Right, a service mammal. Diana says that we got Jason born, And so... <laughs> So like Talia is like like she does great now she's a great family dog you know who just happens to be very aware of you know noises but um she's Jeez. like we've had to train her to cuddle and it's like it's like at first it was like cuddling wow you, a crocodile. Did,
0: you it's so funny because you you think of you as kind of a smart guy. Yeah, well, I think See, of Jason that Kander. Way. He's the first millennial to have a statewide office. He was secretary of state. He's a smart guy. He gets yeah. exactly the wrong dog. <laughs> yeah. And now
2: it's just like, well, this is the family dog. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, Okay,
0: you can have a family dog that is not a, a trained service dog. But the, yeah. the training of service dogs is a big big enterprise a big deal it's a a a two-year um two-year deal and and some of them are trained by by prisoners you Mm -hmm. know sometimes i've been to prisons where uh the prisoners uh who they trust to do this are given this project and learn how to train a service dog and my god it's it's great for for uh the guy in prison, and or the woman. I've seen it in a women's prison, and uh sometimes when they get out, that's what they do. They train service dogs. So it's that's a, that's kind of a twofer. And sometimes they train these dogs for two years, and at the end they go like, nope, nope, he's not a service dog, you know, or she's not a service dog. You know, she'll be a uh,
2: therapy dog. You didn't earn your vest, yeah. dog. So it's I actually not the have Bob's a
3: fault. They just weren't. Oh, no, no,
2: no, it's the dog's fault. Yeah, don't let the dog
3: off the heart. Yeah, they they know what they're doing in there. I've seen them. I've seen them go. This, I I don't want to work my whole life, so I'm just gonna fail of this. <laughs> wow, I'm not buying
0: in. I'll tell you that because all I see is I gotta fucking love this, you know, this slovenly, fucked
3: up <laughs> soldier, <laughs> a veteran, and no.
2: They're like, I heard about this. They're like, I'd rather
3: stay in in prison with a normalized population. (laughs) I don't want to be with that
2: weird vet. VCP has retired service dogs walking all over the place. Your dogs are...
3: Yeah, I I have a retired service dog who was actually trained in a prison, upper state New York. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really difficult to have a retired service dog when I didn't particularly need one not that he doesn't bring me any good, but, you know, when my alarm goes off in the morning, I don't need the dog pulling off my covers and turning on the light because I am capable of hitting the snooze button. <laughs> and breaking him of those habits were difficult. Yeah. Huh. Interesting.
0: So, and they can do that. It's weird. I've seen service dogs can pick coins off the floor, like off a <laughs> wood floor. Really? Yeah. and And like, they will... Huh? What do they
2: do with them? Do they just put them in a piggy bank and save? What do they?
0: No, they don't do that. They give well, what's them to the, the function? Veteran, well,
2: veteran they... drops a coin. Dog
0: picks it up. But why? <laughs> so
2: <laughs> well, Brian, because I'll... you dropped the coin. I oh, I get it. Like if you're, I I was thinking about PTS, but like if you're physically wounded,
3: yes. Okay, that boy. That's it's not all about what you suffer from. I'd, Some it, people have other I'd disabilities. Big yes, to differ. Yes. <laughs> Uh I I actually feel bad sometimes because I feel like I've I uh inappropriate when like I have my service animal like get my remote that's just out of reach because I don't want to scoot over a little bit. Like am I doing the whole system an injustice?
0: Well, there is a dog that's trained for just purely lazy people. Yeah. That's and that's what he's been trained for. And so when he goes like okay. Uh you want me to get the English
2: muffin from the kitchen? <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, for his country. He does it for his country.
0: Did you know that learning actually makes a sound? It's true. Listen. That's the sound of you learning a new language with Babbel. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. For example, Let's say you're in Berlin and you want to visit the Fuhrer bunker. It's pretty simple, actually. Wo ist der Fuhrer bunker? <laughs> Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babel is better. One study found that using Babel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Here is a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash franken, Spell B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. Um I want to get Brian's story. I know I, I know uh Jason's story. But Brian,
3: you were in Iraq. That is correct. How long were you there? Uh two deployments. So, first one was the initial, right? So we're just hanging out in Kuwait waiting for everything to to jump off. Mm-hmm. And that was a 7-month deployment, and then we went back just under a year later, I believe, and that was around 8 months. So the
0: first deployment was was in Kuwait.
3: Yeah, it was a helicopter squadron. So mm-hmm. as soon as we, you know, as soon as everything kicked off, we got in our helicopters and started pushing forward.
0: Were you in a forward operating base in Kuwait, like up near the?
3: the oh, back? yeah, we were. We were right next to right next to the border there. Mm-hmm. So you'd go in every once in a while or something to check out. Before everything started, we used to actually just fly up and down the border. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, the the border was literally just a big sand dune. It was sandy it. there in Kuwait. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was just sandy. It's just exactly what you
0: you know think it is like. I mean, if that that's I mean, Iraq had all kinds of different terrain, but um, but that part of Kuwait that was, the, but they got oil <laughs> under they that do. sand.
2: Under that sand, there is oil.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people think that we went to war there for the oil. Yeah. Some people boy, boy, are they off, fools. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and it's, it's only because we going... Paul O'Neill said that before any, 9-11, any of that at all, right at the beginning of the administration, people like Wolfowitz and Cheney, et cetera, went over a map of Iraq and identified where
2: the oil was. And and the truth is, we went there. I mean, because they attacked us. Yes, nine uh, eleven. That was the.
0: And they this had, is fun. Yep. And they had weapons of mass destruction. Oh, I forgot about that. There it is. That's why we went. Yeah. There is uh, like <laughs> <clears throat> no question that Iraq has uh, weapons of mass
2: destruction. That's my Cheney. That's Cheney, right? Okay, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah,
3: it's pretty good. Christian Bill be Proud.
2: Yeah. I was like I thought It's it was, an yeah. easy
0: friggin' thing to do. That's what I you know, I mean he did a he did a good job, but you know. I haven't uh, seen it. I haven't oh, seen it. Oh, it's it's actually really good. That's I, was what Diana a, said. I was afraid that it'd be just too polemical and stuff like that. No, it was really good. And and you know what? We all trash Trump constantly and for good reason. I mean really. But he hasn't done that he hasn't taken us into a, a war based <laughs> on lies and i think that uh one of the areas in which he uh he knew americans did not did not like those wars uh the iraq and afghanistan and didn't want to do that again and I think that getting rid of Bolton was actually kind of a good idea. I think listen, I think his whole administration is chaos. I think he's the worst human being to be president ever. But you know everyone's going kind of like, "Oh, George W. Bush looks so great compared <laughs> to this guy." And yes, as uh, it's like a person to talk to or something like that, George W. Bush inherited a uh, a surplus. <laughs> left with with the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, went to war on false pretenses. As far as overall results, um, a Bush, you know, uh, Trump hasn't gotten to, to anywhere near a Bush level. Yeah. But I don't think, I just, gosh, uh, uh, that, how big a mistake would that be?
2: Oh, huge. Iran? Yes. You've had access to that kind of information more recently than me, but like that's a big military that's no joke and and you know the other thing that worries me about them is like the way their system is set up, their political leadership will actually once that happens, like they won't be able to afford politically to lose or to surrender, so that could go on a long time and be really, really bad anyway. This is a sunny, sunny podcast so far, yeah, we started talking about dogs.
0: Tell us a little bit about how you started VCP, Veterans uh,
2: Community Project. What I think is so unique about Veterans Community Project is, because like like you, Al, I've I've been to a lot of nonprofits and toured them and that kind of thing. And when I first toured Veterans Community Project, um, it was on the campaign trail, and I was blown away by it. And I think what stood out to me about it was, you know, it was a group of combat vets who had gone out and decided, hey, we think we can do this better. So they figured out where the gaps were and how to fill those gaps. They actually surveyed homeless veterans. And what was so different about it to me was it wasn't like, hey, we have this mission and we're going to do our best, which is laudable. And that's how most nonprofits work. It was more like a group of military guys going, yeah, this has to get done. So come hell or high water, we will accomplish the mission because that's how they were trained. Um, So with that, Brett, talk
3: about how it started and what it does. Myself. The other individuals started the organization. We're all from Kansas City. We're all vets. And we were all kind of working with the homeless population in different capacities. So, uh, like, I'm an attorney by trade. And I was working. I'd started a different nonprofit that got veterans free legal services. And that's kind of how I connected with some of the other co-founders. And it's really what, what Jason kind of described, which is you look out there and you say, well, there are obvious gaps. In services being provided to veterans the biggest one being housing lack of dignified qualified transitional housing how do you take somebody from shelter to permanent housing there's a gap Huge. Mm-hmm. The, the number next. one
0: cure for homelessness by the way is a home
2: mm-hmm.
3: oh we say that all I say it all the time we know how to make a homeless person not homeless the problem with giving them a home is that doesn't fix anything It does accomplish something. They got a home. It does accomplish something. It just doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix the root of it, right? Because, and it's just like you said, an individual is not going to worry about their mental health, addiction issues, uh, all the kind of tangible things when they're worried about. Am I safe? Where am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? Are my lights going to be shut off on me? So we start with taking care of those issues, right? Hierarchy of needs. And we start with the most important ones. Here's a home. You're safe. Nothing bad will happen to you while you're here. Now let's start to work on the issues that got you in the homeless position. And then eventually let's get you ready to stand on your own and into some sort of permanent housing solution
2: so like we have case managers who who work with them and instead of it being like a, you know 25 30 to 1 you know case manager to client ratio or client to case manager ratio um, it's 8 to 1 and they're right there like they're they can see the place where their where their client lives they know where they are all the time on top of that um, you know it it's it's like Replicates base housing, which is a huge part of it. Uh, you know, with the tiny houses, it's like they're in this community of of people with a shared experience. Which, for many of them, that was the most recent time in their life when they were stable is when they were in the military and in that sort of housing situation. So it it recreates that, and then it puts them in a wraparound service situation. And it's a and the reason it's such a big gap is because the the VA through what are called HUD VASH vouchers, which are basically vouchers for for permanent housing. Um, for, for veterans, what they provide is a permanent housing solution for basically independent living, but there's no, there's no federal funding for straight up transitional housing with wraparound services. And furthermore, uh, there's no federal funding um, for treatment of veterans uh, that are, you know, outside the VA eligible population, like folks with a, uh, with a, a uh, other than honorable or dishonorable discharge folks who didn't serve at the right time at the right
3: place um so we we say yes to all of those people folks like jason that's a, that's what that's what i like thinking about so yeah. imagine this scenario jason Cander walks into the va right he's homeless he he needs a house he need he wants to get a voucher or something like that and they go to pull him up in the system and there's no jason Cander in the system therefore he is ineligible at that time
2: why is there no Jason Kander in the system? Well, just... because even though I had an honorable discharge, what I didn't have was there was a rule uh, that if you didn't come in within to the VA and enroll within five years of your combat deployment, um, then you had to basically prove up a case, right? So if you come in within the first five years, it's like no questions asked, we're going to treat you, you're enrolled, you're, you're eligible for services. But if if you're beyond five years then you have to show all this documentation, go through all these hoops, it takes months in order to prove that you experienced any trauma and therefore should be eligible for mental health services. And, um, and so that's, that's what I had to do. And actually Veterans Community Project, uh, Brian, in particular, they're the ones who helped me do that. And, and, you know, it's kind of it's really crazy when you think about it it's just another rule with the VA that doesn't make any sense because trauma is not something that gets better with age I mean the fact that it had been twelve years instead of you know four and a half actually meant I was in a worse place because it had gone it's not wine right it's the opposite it gets <laughs> it gets worse and and so there's so many rules like that um, that just don't make any sense and what happens is like whether even even for the folks who aren't Uh, homeless, who Veterans Community Project helps. There's over 6,000 vets, including me in the Kansas City area, for the KC location that that have been helped. And, you know, you go in and it's a walk-in clinic where they say, hey, what is it you need? And they'll try and help you with things. And so there's all sorts of needs that veterans have that aren't being met. And that's where we step in.
0: You know, no one knows what your private experience was. But what I think was so impactful about your statement was that i know you pretty well and i i would think well jason has it together as much as anybody i know he is functioning at a high level always and when i read your your statement i went holy moly this one is very brave but i also think a service to say this, and also you were running for mayor, you, you cared enough about yourself and your family to say no. I don't. I'm going to stop doing that. You were just so functional, and maybe you were saying like I was doing that to get away from my own, you know, PTSD yeah. or something like that. But
4: this episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash wonderypod or text WONDERYPOD to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WONDERYPOD or text WONDERYPOD to 500-500.
0: You are an amazing performer. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, I, and, and I want to play something, which is, and, and obviously this is sound, so you can't, see this, but that's okay because I want people to pay attention. This is your gun
2: ad. This is the ad. Uh, Just basically tell people what the ad was. Uh, Sure. So um, when I was running for the Senate in in 2016, uh, I had an F rating from the NRA. uh, And so, of course, they were mentioning that a lot. And uh, I wanted to make uh, what I thought of as a muscular argument for gun control, for in this case, background checks. And so uh, we cut an ad where I was Blindfolded, talking about my support for background checks uh, and assembling uh, Air fifteen uh, at the same time.
0: Uh, sort of an iconic. Everyone was amazed by this ad. Now, the reason I'm playing it just audio because you'll know he's blindfolded. He's got a blindfold around him. You're in kind of, kind of some kind of warehouse or something, or and um, and you're putting the gun together. And you'll hear it. Now, what I want you to listen to, and this is why I say you're. A great performer he performs and you got to get this in under thirty, and he performs it where every click where something clicks in is not over dialogue mm-hmm. did that you was... Did you consciously
2: do that? Did you know you were doing that? Yeah, that was the part that I had to practice the most because actually the easiest part of the ad was. You know, I knew how to putting the gun. The gun. Yeah, I knew how to do that. Never, I had I, never, and you won't see this because it's audio format, but I had never done it while standing part of the rifle up. But that was necessary for the visual, so I had to practice that part. But the rest of it, I knew. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's no teleprompter because I'm blindfolded, and I knew because the ad guy had said like his idea was there'd be no music and that the soundtrack of the ad would be the sound of the rifle. And so, yeah, that was the part that I had to practice the most was was saying the uh, words. Um, in a way that wasn't just, like, saying them, but feeling them and doing it in between the uh, sounds of the rifle.
0: Okay, and that's really impressive. As someone who Thanks. has had to perform, the, I mean, this is incredibly, has to be incredibly precise. So let's just play that and listen for this. Listen to how none of the clicks is on top of any of the monologue.
2: I'm Jason Cander, and Senator Blunt has been attacking me on guns. Well, in the Army, I learned how to use and respect my rifle. In Afghanistan, I'd volunteer to be an extra gun in a convoy of unarmored SUVs. And in the state legislature, I supported Second Amendment rights. I also believe in background checks so that terrorists can't get their hands on one of these. I approve this message because I'd like to see Senator Blunt do this.
0: Yeah, I point that out to people who are running for things. And I go like, you see, he's performing... And it's conscious, and he knows what he's doing.
3: How about you do that?
2: <laughs> I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> it,
3: it, it means a lot coming from you. Al, well, I I'd like it. to. I, I'd like to share something because this is going to be a marine. Thing, no, no, right? no, 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 not at all. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I knew Jason. Uh, I mean, we were in constant contact, and, and when I saw that ad and I, I saw him do it, the absolute only thing I could think about was. I could do that so much faster. I knew it. Yeah. Like that was so, <laughs> so slow. Like in and, and oh my God, he was blindfolded, but he didn't have anybody yelling at him. <laughs> it was a nice quiet room. Like, why is this a, why is he getting so much credit for this? It made no sense to me. But, but,
0: but I, now you figured it out. Now I got it. Because now, now you, the cadence you, it finally took to this moment where I explained that he had to time the clicks. So they didn't interfere with your being able to understand what he's saying.
2: Uh, you know, what's funny is every on the campaign trail and ever since vets will come up to me all the time. And the first they'll be like, that, that that ad was awesome. And then if they're if they're army or the Marines, they go, they'll do one of two things. Either they go, how come you didn't do the bolt assembly? And I'm like, I had 30 seconds, man. <laughs> and then, Or they'll say, because the thing at the end, you know, where I, I, I open up the ejector, you know, they hear the like and. And they go, well, how come you didn't finish the functions check, which would mean to pull the trigger. And I'm like, because I didn't want to, like, pull the trigger on TV. They- <laughs> and they go, okay, cool. But so it's like every vet comes up, they like, that was awesome. Now, let me sharpshoot you about it a little bit. Like, <laughs> every time.
0: Yeah, and, you know, like, fuck you. Isn't that the answer? Isn't that just the answer?
3: Uh, it's sort of like they do it with a smile. So then I'm like, fuck you with a smile. I thought it was just more brave doing that on tv knowing that i mean you knew that now every time you run into a vet like they're gonna give you some <laughs> crap about the gun assembly right yeah, yeah. like well, everybody's
2: got something to say now. yeah but uh, yeah but and i did the, i've done this knowing that i'm gonna get <laughs> Yeah, that's right that's right and it's uh and nobody's like you did it wrong they're just like i see you didn't finish it and i'm like yes yes that it was television <laughs> so Anyway, I, that means a lot coming from you on the performance bit of it, and but to your to your larger point, yeah, I guess a lot of that decade plus of my life, whether I realized it or not, was I don't want to say it was a full on performance because I wasn't like hiding things from people be, because I was hiding the, the so- decade you're talking about is post
0: you you you've, yeah. you've come back. And now you're running for office and you're building your career and you're making speeches and and then being a state representative and then being uh, the uh, secretary say, secretary of of state who runs the elections and all that stuff. You're doing all of that. That's the 10 years you're talking about was kind of a, a performative. Thing.
2: Yeah. And the reason I don't think of it that way is because I was deluding myself. So it's not. Like, I, I I wouldn't, I don't want people, because I know I've I've had a lot of people who've supported me over all those years, and I don't want people to look back and think, like, I was somehow, like... A uh, fraud. Yeah, or conning them. It's, it's I was going through this in, inner turmoil that I was aware of, but I wasn't aware of why, and I wasn't aware that it was worthy of being treated or anything like that. So it just turned into a lot of shame and self-loathing and, and that kind of thing, and then I would sort of medicate by constantly being busy and 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 working really really hard at, at my career which in this case was politics and so it was the only real me that I had to offer it was just that I I was also deluding myself about whether something was wrong um so yeah I don't know if that answers the question but that that's how I think of it and look back on it
0: no I mean I think that that says a lot about how tricky all this is Mm -hmm. Because you were self medicating with the achievements you were having, and with reaching out to people and the response to you, all of that was sort of getting in the way of your facing this, right?
2: Yeah, and none of that medication was working, right? So it was like the 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 more I would achieve, the worse I would feel because I would I would be like, why am I not feeling better? Like at the time that I. Um, stepped back from public life and and decided to go get treatment. My book had just become a New York Times bestseller. My podcast had been number one in the country. I had decided, because of this stuff, not to run for president but to run for mayor. We sold $25,000 worth of T-shirts on the first day in a mayoral campaign, and we had raised three times what the combined rest of the field had raised. And, And so it was like we were on our way to victory. Objectively, professionally, things could not have been better. Personally, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And somebody said afterwards, I heard somebody say about it, it was like a professional clinician who they interviewed on the radio, he said, you deal with your trauma or your trauma deals with you. And that's where I had arrived at. I just had been running from it and avoiding it for so long that it was dealing with me. And it was like just I didn't have a choice. I had to deal with it. Well,
0: I think you made a difficult choice because you did have this track that was clear that you – you would have won that race. And it's all a testament to how sort of talented you are as a public servant and as a a candidate. And I I remember when the book was coming out, and you had the same editor uh, I had, the Mm -hmm. same publisher. And I kind of remember in anticipation of this, and the book is great, it's outside the wire, and it's a, a really great book about your experience there, and then also your life and the lessons that that you draw from this. a a, a terrific book that I would recommend. But I remember them being like, oh, oh, if he runs for president, this book is going to just be huge. Because usually any of these uh, campaign bios are like, daring to stand. (laughs) the courage to dare (laughs) charge
2: to keep that's my favorite one Uh,
0: yeah you know and it's like Tim Pawlenty his literally was called the courage to stand (laughs) I didn't know that and and, you know and no and he didn't like get you know he wasn't like paralyzed in a war but then stood up that was just it (laughs) it was was just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Courage to Stand by Timbalanti. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, they were, I remember, they were very nice about it when I was like, I've decided, like, two weeks before the book came out, I was like, I've decided I'm going to run for mayor instead of president. And they were like, okay, all right. But I. they had to have been like, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they were going like... Okay, <laughs> great. <Yeah>. Good.
0: <laughs>
2: I remember when my- Fuck you! You yeah.
0: bought the book, thinking <laughs> you're running for president!
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they felt like I conned them. That, that would be a group. I don't know. No, they've been really No, I mad. think I think this comes
0: off, Jason, as pretty sincere.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it does i don't think everyone's kind of like ah oh, that's dick. so funny he got that advance and then he ran for mayor and then then he says he has btsd what bullshit uh,
2: when when i found out that it hit the the new york times bestseller list i called my agent and i'm like honestly or i go i go can you believe it and she goes honestly i'm pretty shocked too <laughs> <laughs> nice agent well it was she was just being honest man i mean like you know it was, uh, we were pretty pleased by it, but not like she knew she thought the book was good, but obviously like I wasn't running for president. So
0: no, but the book was great. And also your great TV presence. And, uh, Thanks. Brian, are you on TV every once in a while? Cause you sound like presentable on TV. You sound like you know what you're
3: No, if you could see me, you, you, you would you. understand why I'm never on TV. No, I, you, you just have a giant head, but you're, a, you're a good looking gi- fella. I have a giant head and a, a huge, huge hole in the side of my head. It's no, <laughs> horrible to look well, at. And that's
0: theory. a wound from. Is that? No, I just, I just
3: fell down. Uh, <laughs> he just picks at yeah. it. No. He... <laughs> no. Br- uh... We have to do. We have to do a, a good amount of. Local te- uh, at least for me, I only really do local stuff.
2: Yeah, these guys like, built this thing up before I ever came around. Like, and you know, I just, they, we all like to joke, but it's half joking that like I just swooped in and become the face of VCP after three years of them building it. And uh, so these guys have done
0: that. That's the like, veterans stuff. community project. Right.
2: Thank you. Well, uh, how can people donate to? Well, thank VCP. you for asking. Yeah, and now Jason comes in. <laughs> yeah. Um, people can go to, to veteranscommunityproject.org slash donate, or they can make it easy. Just go to veteranscommunityproject.org, and you'll find your way there. Uh, and I encourage people to do it, obviously, because we need to raise money. But for context, as I kind of alluded to earlier, because what we do in the, in the population we serve is outside the traditional federal services for veterans and because we fill in all these gaps there aren't at this time federal funds or state funds for what we do and so we rely entirely on private donations so folks can go to veteranscommunityproject.org they can they can make a donation there's actually a pretty great uh, store there folks like merchandise there's great shirts there we wear them every day Um, and that's another way to to support us and then if you put backslash
0: al I get a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, I'll get right on that. I got a couple of minutes before. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, thank you for your one uh for your service, which again I know is hollow, uh, but uh, but you guys weren't grievously wounded except for your PTSD, which is people suffer with that. And uh thank you so much for for doing what you're doing now, moving on to helping uh veterans who are having having difficulties because they went to a theater of war for us, for us to thank you guys for doing that for our country. And and sometimes you can have disagreements about whether the operation was well thought through or uh, necessarily in our long-term best interest or whatever, but the guys who go and the women who go are uh, putting everything on the line. Everything on the line for us. And then some come back and have difficulty. And I think the least we can do, the least we can do, is recognize that service and help. And help. So, vcp or org, right?
2: Right. And now I I really appreciate it, man, and and you know, I I know we joke about like uh the thank you for your service thing, but like I I think all your listeners know how much you've done for vets both in the Senate and before that time and um but also I just personally I just really appreciate your friendship, man. So, thank you. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, you you came to one of the USO tours I was on. At uh, Camp Phoenix, right?
2: Yeah, it was the first time uh, that I ever I ever saw you. It was uh, a very cold day uh, in Kabul, twenty nine degrees, I think. Yeah, yeah. and um, it was like uh, it was one of my better days there, and I think also the case for most of the most of the people who went to that show. So it was very cold, and there weren't bleachers, there
0: weren't seats for most people, uh, most of the soldiers, and you guys stood. And we did a four-hour show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a, a good use of four hours for us. We, like, <laughs> well, what we learned was the first year we went, we did a two and a half hour show. We were going like, we wonder if this is too long, hmm. and we discovered it wasn't. And the next year we did a three-hour show, and the next year we did a three and a half hour show, and what we'll, and the next a four-hour show because what we what we learned was is that. Any moment that wasn't terrifying or boring, right? Just sort of how you divide it. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that's exactly that's
0: exactly right. Uh, was uh, was a good moment, and and the and the music was great, and uh, I thought I thought the comedy was pretty. Good. It was <laughs> so. Uh, thank me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Al. That's yeah. why I'm here today. Thank you thank for your you. service, Al. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you too. You guys, yeah. yeah. Nice year to go. So, uh, yeah. All right, guys. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Happy to help Thank you.
2: Thanks
0: a lot. Okay. Bye, guys. All right, Bye. I'll see you. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again